Welcome to another episode of the Badass Women of Central Park, where every time we bring you an awesome journey of a badass woman in our neighborhood. My name is Dan Clark, and it is my honor to host this podcast and get to learn from so many of you each time. It is my goal for you to see yourself as the badass you truly are. This episode, our guest is Carol Fennell. She holds both a Bachelor of Science and a Master's of Fine Art and MFA in painting from Northern Illinois University. She's been creating and showing ever since. Her art has been in numerous exhibitions and she has been shown in galleries for over 20 years in places like Sedona, Omaha, Chicago, Santa Fe, Vail, and Breckenridge. She's been fortunate to have over 100 installations in public places, including hospitals, healthcare offices, law firms, veterinary facilities, airports, and even private collections. An example being Melissa and Doug's of Toy Fame's home. Fennell resides in Colorado with her two boys, husband, and a home full of art. When she is not in the studio, she enjoys hiking, traveling, and writing historic fiction. This week's podcast is brought to you by Mama Bird Interviews. Like the interviews for Mama Bird focus on highlighting stories of not just your elders, but of yourself in that moment of what you believe in, um, what, you, what you like, what you don't like, like your favorite memories, like having an actual video of you telling your own story. Like you're the one who's telling it. You're the one who's dictating who gets to know what um, and what you get to share. So that's what Mama Bird is kind of in the gist. It's just being able to have the power to tell your own story um, in the way that feels comfortable to you um, and that you can share with anyone whenever. And, and again, you just have to be like, when you're at the end of your life, you can do it at whenever time. You could be in high school and you wanna like, hey, this is who I was in high school and I wanna capture this. All right. Good morning, Carol. It is so nice to virtually meet you. Like many of my interviews recently, I have not known the people that have been interviewing, which is fascinating to me and so interesting. I just learned from you the pronunciation of your last name is Finnell, um, and, and you are an artist, and I am fascinated by art and love art. And so I guess that's where I'll start with it. And I'm sure this is a winding story, which that's wonderful. Um, talk to me, though, about before you were a professional artist and kind of just where your love for art in general came from. Yeah, so um, I've been an artist for over 25 years, but I've always known I wanted to create um, create something, art, music, anything. I was just interested in the creation process. So I grew up on a farm in Indiana, so there wasn't a lot to do in that area. It was very rural, um, a lot of farmers, and um, I was one of six children. And so we spent a lot of time in our free time, which you know, we had a lot of work and chores to do, but in the free time, we spent a lot of time creating. So we would make dollhouses out of boxes and um, Sears Roebuck magazines, if you remember those. Um, we learned to sew, we painted, just did anything um, that was just creative. And it was, I consider it now like more creative play, but I think it's really important in the, in where it shaped me to want to create as for a living. So um, it's just was a big part of my everyday life is creativity. And we, even doing that, we learned to problem solve a lot. I think creativity made that part of my life. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to make 
seeds grow in the winter and we built this big house out of old windows and grew seeds in it on the farm and so I think um creativity has just always been a part of my life a part of problem solving and I think I when I decided to go to college I was the first of the family to go to college so I'm number five of six so I decided I was going to go and just enrolled in art because I knew I wanted to create and so that's kind of how it all started for me. And then from there, I moved. Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, I've got a couple follow-up questions on that. One of them that I think about is, I'm imagining you on this farm in Indiana, is do you think that your path would have gone the same way if you grew up in modern times with all the technology and the access? Um, do you think you would have been as creative in that capacity? Or, or do you feel that the, the timing that you grew up had to kind of force that? I, I think I would not have, um, you know, I see the kid, my kids who I really push creativity on, they struggled with the electronics a lot. And I think I would have been distracted as well with all of that. I mean, we were just had so much free time and so much stuff around us on the farm. You have all this junk and supplies and, you know, sewing machines and fat old fabrics and, I think it just allowed for that so much easier than a lot of kids, what they're faced with today. And the other question I have with that is growing up on the farm, um, transitioning art or uh, pursuing a, a career in art, how did your parents take to that when you decided to go into college and that you wanted to pursue art as a career with it? <laughs> Um, it was a struggle. My parent, my father was very against college. He hadn't even, he finished eighth grade, I think. Um, my mom finished high school, but they both thought college was a waste of time, a waste of money and especially art. I mean, so <laughs> that was, uh, that was a struggle of my senior year. I remember conflicting with my father every night at, at the dinner table about that. But I think, um, Looking back on it, I think it made me really want to go more at that time um, because he was against it. And, oh, well, I thought his ways were old anyway. And um, so I think it really forced me to figure a way to do it. And if he didn't have any part in it, um, no pay, you know, he didn't pay for anything or didn't fill out any financial aid forms or anything like that. So I just figured a way to do it on my own. So um, I think it just made me really want to finish and succeed in it. When you're going to college for the arts, um, I always think of, especially in, in college with art, it isn't about the business yet. I think that there's probably should be more of that taught, it seems like at that level. And I think they're bringing that more into art education now. But I think that because of that, there's so much creativity and so much freedom. Um, did you really see your art flourish in that time? Were you able to experiment and be creative during that time? It was amazing. Yes, there was the lack of business. I got out and didn't know what to do, but the, but the creativity part was amazing. I mean, you're, you have access to anything. If you want to do woodworking or, um, you know, incorporate woodworking into your clay, you can figure out how to do that with the help of the instructors. And, um, you know, I just remember I, I used 5,000 pounds of clay one, um, one year <laughs> and I, you know, like to have access to that as a, a young 18 year old. I mean, that's just 
fun. You could, I built an entire room of clay is what I did. So it was all clay that you could experience and walk through. And, and, you know, the teachers just, yeah, you can do that. Um, we just have to figure a way to, to disassemble it and get rid of it. So we had hired a big truck to dump it out the window when it was done of this, <laughs> of this building. So, you know, like there were, you have access to so many people to, um, ask questions and figure things out. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I wish we could stay in that environment forever. Just that idea building and, um, anything's possible. Another thing that, that when I just read, um, a little about you that I was thinking about too, is something I think with entrepreneurs too, naturally, it's very independent and very like you're on your own island in so many different ways. And I think that I, ne I never thought about that way as artists because I think of artists as being so communal and together, but I'm sure when you're doing this as a career, you're pursuing it, it becomes very much about yourself and, and you're having a hard time, you know, not having a hard time, but you're, you're, it's not easy to connect or, or find other people that are in your same situation the same way. But in college, it's probably the opposite of that. In college, it's probably you're just meeting all these lifelong friends and connecting at this level. Is that your experience there? For sure, yes. And once you get out, it's, you know, it's kind of a competitive thing. So people don't really want to say, oh, this is the way you can get into a gallery. And this is the way you can get into that. It's, you know, figure it out on your own. And um, yeah, it's you, when when you step out into the real world, it's a different experience, <laughs> very isolating. And then you're working all day alone in your studio. And so, you know, that plus people don't really want to help. Just, yeah, you are correct. <laughs> So you move from this unlimited creativity, unlimited budget at that point, you're getting all these materials and then you graduate and you, you're thrown into the cold, dark world. Tell me about how that worked for you. How was it after you did graduate and um, where kind of did your career start out there? Yeah, so I graduated with my master's of fine art um, and I just, I thought at the time I wanted to teach college. So but before that, I just wanted to experience, just experience something that was in, in Illinois. And I just drove out West and I thought I would head to California, but I stopped in Denver um, to check it out. I had a place here with a roommate's cousin for a couple of weeks, and I was just going to see what it was like. So when I got here, I remember I, um, well, the first night I met my husband. So that, that made me stick around for a while, but um, I, um, Hit, headed down to Larimer Square. At that time, there were a lot of art galleries, Jay Howell Gallery, and I went in there and talked to him um, about art and his his work. And he said, you know, just bring your stuff and let's check it out. And so that was the first gallery I got in. And then I started to just go down that road of getting into galleries instead of um, teaching. So uh, I loved that first gallery, Jay Howell. I mean, Larimer Square was just so hip to me coming from the Midwest. <laughs> so um, I put my stuff in there and then I got into a couple other galleries right after that. And it just started to build up from that. And then I met, um, I met an art consultant, which I had never heard of an art consultant. I met her at a wedding. We were sitting, we sat next to each other for some reason. And she started mentioning um, 
what she did, she placed art in public buildings like hospitals and uh, law firms and just places that I didn't think about art, you know, having to, to get in there. And so she, um, she said, well, just send me your things, pictures of your things, and we'll see if we find a spot for you. So I um, did that. And then that kind of led me down that path as well. So I can, um, you know, you build, they, they bid for like a hospital and our consultant bids for an hospital. They get the, you know, the contract and then they can start just placing art in the spaces. And so then they hire artists to fill those spaces. So um, I've done over like a hundred consulting pieces for hospitals and, and public spaces. So that has been a really important part of my career. Staying afloat is those big jobs like that, because they'll be like 30 feet by eight feet, you know, like big, big commissions. So it's been really fun to see those pieces come to life in these public buildings. That is very cool. Um, I'll get more to that in a moment, but I just want to ask um, a couple questions about the, the start of your career. It seems like you got um, really fortunate with making the right connections. I always think life is about connections and that networking is never taught at any level too. And and finding the right people, finding people who believe in you is is so wonderful. For very ignorant people like myself about the art world, um, I have no idea how like these galleries would work when, they, when you have pieces in galleries or you do a show. Is it then commission-based where they're selling your work or you're selling your work and then a commission goes to the owner of the building. How does that work? Yeah. So galleries, they, they usually rent or own their own buildings and then um, they take, they'll represent you is what, what it's called. So right now, like I'm represented in um, Amyo river gallery in Santa Fe and evergreen gallery in evergreen, just for example. And then, um, so they'll take your pieces and give you a big opening show. So like a Friday night, you'll have a big opening, you'll bring your new pieces, you'll meet clients, and then, um, and they'll continue to, um, you know, put your art in magazines and promote it in various ways. And then from there, what they sell, uh, you usually take whatever the contract is. Normally, it's about 50%. So of the sale, you'll get half of that. So um, some galleries are a little more, some are a little less, depending on what they might offer, but um, most are around 50%. So that's how you get paid is you don't get paid for anything until it sells. And then once it sells, then you get money, they get money and it evens out. So it's um, for them, you want a gallery who really loves your work because they're going to try to promote it so that you you know, actually do sell. Otherwise you sit there forever without any sales. And then they want someone that they really believe in so that they can sell it. So it usually works out really well. It's a, a family, it becomes a family. <laughs> That's very fascinating and, and a higher percentage than I would think. And But what's one of the, I think the, the problems with our world is that you need to be uh, when you're doing something professionally, you need to charge accordingly and they need to rent their space and they're often in these great locations and you're working so hard on this one piece, you don't even know if it's going to sell. 
So you're pouring everything into it. So it needs to be like, I think that people like myself who are ignorant about all these topics have no idea all the costs behind this and the work that goes behind all of these things and the reasons you have to charge the prices you have to charge. Yes. I mean, one of my galleries in Vail, I think their rent was 18,000 a month. I mean, so they got to make some money too. <laughs> to keep going and putting art in the world. And then I wanted to get back to kind of this, like you talked about doing art in public spaces, because I think that is so cool. And I'm such a huge fan of um, public art and even street art. I, I do love all different kinds of art. Um, when you're doing these public um, commissions, like you talked about, then you're going through this person that's helping connect you with it. Are you pitching an idea to them that you want to do this in this space? Are they telling you we want you to do this space? How does that creative process work? Yeah, they usually say, they usually give you some parameters, like um, it's 30 feet by 10 feet, and um, they want something of nature, nature related. And um, this is the color. They'll give you a little scheme of um, maybe what the carpet and the walls are. And then, um, then from that, you, you know, do a little sketch and kind of put it in perspective of the room. And then from there, they usually, um, they can usually just okay it from that. And then sometimes it'll have to go to a higher level, like a board of a hospital will have to review it if it's a really big space or um, like a lobby or something like that. But um, most of the time, yes, you just get a few parameters and then you can go from there by sketching and then start making the, the piece. Is it a very different experience if they're commissioning a piece from you in that capacity than like a private customer is? Because I, I, I think you do pieces, I'm sure people are doing kind of the same process, but just with one person, is it a very different process? Yeah, it's um, some in some ways like doing it with the hospital is a little bit easier because it's not a personal, you know, connection there. It's more just filling the space with something they they all agree on and, and love where um, sometimes a private it, it can get like really um, strict in, in every little detail someone wants to, you know, Put their input on every little process for some reason it sometimes it takes longer to do a private <laughs> but they're both fun and I love doing I love doing any any of it yeah and that's what I think and I think it's when it's your personal money and your personal home it's going into a space you're just so much more involved which probably can be counterproductive on on the artists themselves too because you're 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 buying their work for their previous Work that you've seen and so I'm, I'm sure it's it's a hard balance where you're dealing with a lot of um psychological or, or like yeah therapy <laughs> therapy definitely it therapy. usually yeah. takes me at least two to three times longer on a private commission so <laughs> I bet um so with the public art tell me more about some of the it sounds like well I guess we should get into that what kind of I see paintings behind you as I'm looking what kind of art do you do you talk about working with clay what kind of different mediums do you work in yeah, I work in clay and paint. So a lot of the sculptures like Lakewood Cultural Center, I don't know if you know that, um, you know, I'll, I'll work with a public space on what their vision is. They wanted to to encompass their the history of Lakewood. And so we would do some different images in clay um, across their their entrance. And so I kind of I kind of work with either clay or on canvas, depending um what the project is, how much texture, 
it'll need like the Lakewood project. I needed a lot of big texture for buildings and things to represent. So I used all clay. So it was a very heavy piece. Um, but a lot of times for the galleries, I just do the, the panels and then I build up the surface with some clay and add, add paint on top of that. So it kind of depends on the project. And I'm sure there's a lot of, one of the things I'm also fascinated by is especially with public art or art that people may be near or touching or whatever, like how do you, or what, if, what are you doing to ensure that the pieces stay and don't get broken? Is that on you or that the, the place? Do they make you try to think of that or protect it in some way? How does that part? Um, they have their own insurance, most places. And so if something is damaged, I can go back and, and fix it. I really haven't had, maybe one um, came off the wall from the installation or the installation person didn't quite put that on right. But the rest, it's been really durable. Clay is pretty durable unless you take a hammer to it. Um, so I haven't had too many problems with that. But if there is, they can just contact me and then I go back and fix it. And um, their insurance usually will cover that. So it's that's a pretty seamless process. Yeah, and one that doesn't stress you out. So that's really nice. Um, okay, so now in your career, as far as your career, you're in galleries, you're doing public pieces, and so your career is going pretty well. And especially I feel in a time where art is um, hard to do professionally. While you're doing this, are you building up? Do you have a mentor network that you're working with? Is that where gallery owners and people come in, or how are you kind of growing yourself professionally when you're when you're young in this business? Um, yeah, it's really good to um, I kind of call them like a mastermind group, and that's part of the reason um, I started Thrive Creative Community as well is to to create that mastermind group. But yeah, if you can find a group that kind of like-minded people who are successful. You always want to, you know, try to find people who are more successful than you so you can learn from that. And, um, and you know, the a mastermind group, it's all about just talking your way through, inspiring, um, helping one another. So if you can find one of some of those, that's great. And as a young person coming into this career, I would say that would be the number one thing to do. And you can find art clubs and different things like that, but you just have to make sure it's one where they're all supporting one another and not, um, you know, more isolating where they don't uplift each other. So you can feel that pretty quickly when you enter some of these groups. <laughs> Let's do, let's do jump ahead and, and talk about, because when we first talked, you told me kind of about your experience and how COVID impacted you. And I never thought about that from the gallery standpoint too. So you're successful in your career, you're doing all this work and then COVID hits and what happened next for you? Yeah. So when COVID hit, um, at first I had, I think I had like eight shows that summer. I had some summer art shows I had been volunteering with um, Family Tree. It's a women's shelter, family shelter. And I've been working with the women in there um, creating art. And we had a big show at Stanley with all their art. And um, I had a, just so much going on that summer. And so when COVID hit, I thought, well, this is going to be a couple weeks, right? So I'll just keep creating and, you know, the shows will go on. 
And when that didn't happen and things started to just shut down completely, I was just like, what I stopped creating, like, what am I going to do? There's no need to do anything right now. None of my shows, all my shows, I, I just remember the emails coming in. Well, we're closing this show down, this closing this gallery. Um, and so I was like, well, I don't even have anything I need to do. So um, it took me by surprise a little bit. And I remember I just cleaned the house and organized all those spaces. I didn't really have, you know, all the spaces in the studio that I hadn't cleaned. And I was just kind of wondering what was going to happen. And then um, I realized like, where's my community? Like everybody's in their, hidden inside their houses and, you know, where's all my art people and what are they doing? And, um, you know, I just remember thinking I need, I need some way to reach out to these people. And a friend and I started to Zoom and we were saying, how could we get people back together? And that's when we started um, Thrive Creative Community. And it's just a way for people to connect once a month. What's going on in your creative world? We have speakers to talk about different issues creatives face. And we have creativity projects because even as an artist, you can get, um, I found it with myself, you can get kind of burned out with doing the same things for the galleries, for the, you know, everybody wants that, that style that you have. And so you kind of get burned out with that. And so we're trying to encourage that creative play again, to explore, to just um, find, just play and not really look for the product, but more the process. And, um, and that's really when you find the flow is when you're playing and not um, expecting something out of it. And then when you can reach that flow, then you, then that's more like healing. It relieves anxiety. There's all these benefits from creating. So we wanted to make sure people and artists knew that. And then we also found um, people who say they have no creativity or people who just want more creativity in their life. We found that it was so important to do these creative plays with them too, because, you know, they were under stress with COVID, with their jobs or whatever it was. And this allowed for self-expression and better self-esteem, lower anxiety, things like that. So that's really what we started this network of creative women about is came about from that. So, um, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're on a lot of amazing things there and I've already forgotten where a couple of years passed when COVID started now. And I thought I would never forget this time. And it made our lives pause in such a way. And for me personally, I've got two small children. So we were able to spend more time with our children and which we wouldn't mm -hmm. have ever been able to do that if that didn't happen. And I think from an artist standpoint, like you said, that it really pause what you're doing and you're in this grind and, and perpetual grind um, where you are kind of needing to follow your career and, and, and the money in that capacity. So putting a pause on that and, and even just resting your mind or your, you know, whatever it is you're using your soul at that moment. And then to, to find the community, I think is a great idea. And also 
the accountability part that you talked about too, with kind of monthly stuff too, I think makes a big difference because sometimes you're not up for things. Full disclosure for this, it's late where I'm in Poland right now and dark already because it gets dark here now. So I am coming to these conversations and I'm exhausted from my day, but I always find energy once I get them. But if you weren't on my calendar, I wouldn't have booked it like all these things. And so I think that it's like that too, is you need that accountability, um, I'm sure, especially with art, and then also to be pushed in different directions, especially when it's not for, for money again, where you can just create for fun and then find different styles. Um, now, running it is a whole other issue because then you're, you're now in that part, but I'm sure that gives you stuff to do too. Had you done anything like this before, an endeavor like this before, partnered up with anybody? Um, and what was the, kind of the learning experience of the, the behind the scenes like for you? Yeah, I have not partnered with anybody. Um, and Kathy and I have a really similar way we think about things. So that helps. I've done a lot of work with um, art clubs and art, other art communities and, you know, run a lot of the programs with them over the years. I, I can't tell you how many years I've been involved with that, probably 15 of the 25. So I kind of know how to do some of that. But as far as um, running the website, you know, you know, as you start a new business, you do everything right <laughs> on top of continuing to create. So, but it's been fun. I've met so many people and, um, you know, I keep, it keeps me accountable too to continue to, to explore. So it's been a really good thing. Has that, have you noticed that that time and just kind of COVID in general, has your art changed in what ways, I guess, has your art changed moving forward? Yes, it has changed. It's, it was, um, I was doing a lot of more darker colors and things. And for some reason, I'm very intensely bright right now and more, a little more whimsical than I was before. Um, so a little more playful, I guess, has come out of that. And um, oh. yeah, and the new work has been accepted into different galleries because some galleries closed down completely. So we've had to shift and find new new spaces and things like that. One question I wanted to ask you about your art is I think this varies by artist, um, but typically people are hypercritical of their own work. How do you how do you deal with that part of it when you're finishing a piece or um, yeah, I guess that would be it. If you're going to finish a piece, do you feel finished? Do you, how, how do you deal with, with your confidence in those things, those type of, that type of thing? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because I feel like I'm, it's never perfect. And so, but I th also think that that's what keeps me creating because I always see something in my head and I want to try it and try to make it better or try to make it different. Um, and what, but what keeps me going too, is that other people do connect with it. And so, um, you know, there's nothing better than someone just saying, I love it. I want to have it in my house and live with this. And so then, then you realize that, you know, they're not all perfect, but they're, they all have some, something to give to someone and someone will connect with it. So I've thrown a lot in the trash though. <laughs> You should come by the house on trash day. <laughs> Most of the time, too, uh, no one will notice what you notice with your work, right? Notice, no one will notice those, probably like with yourself, too, these imperfections that you see or feel and that no one else will notice this or care about this the way that you would. And so 
probably that's good about having deadlines and things like that, which maybe that's the question we ask you. When when people commission art, how long is that process probably differing by the by the piece? But how long do, do pieces take? Maybe you could take us through a different kind of a painting versus the public art installation. Are you working on multiple projects at once? What does that look like for your life? Yeah, a lot of times it's multiple projects at once. Um, usually uh, the art consultants give you plenty of time because they start a, a hospital job sometimes six months to a year out and they have, um, you know, they're in there with the hard hats before it's finished. So um, you have plenty of time for that. Personal projects, um, doing a commission for someone usually takes, I usually say about six weeks and sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes less, depending on um, how many times we go back and forth with a sketch. Uh, sometimes we'll go in and measure spaces and put up paper templates to see how big a piece we need. Um, you know, some, everything's a little bit different, but usually around six weeks. So, yeah, so I can have multiple projects going, um, then gallery shows going at the same time. In the summer, there's some summer festivals. So a lot of times it can get busy, but without all those streams of income, it's really hard to rely on one thing for art. It really takes all these little pieces together to make a living career out of it. Yeah, and I'm sure you've met many amazing artists that didn't get that or weren't able to do the multiple things that couldn't sustain it in that level because of that. Um, what could, I? because I'm sure that happens all the time, I'm sure you've seen brilliant artists that aren't getting exposure. Is there a way to, a different way to go about this? Has the internet kind of made that better or worse? I think, well, you can yes. tell me, how has the internet impacted art? Yeah, I think, especially younger artists, I think that Instagram has been a great, great tool. You know, I, I have a love-hate with that, that. I do sell when I, you know, when I get on there and really push it. Um, but sometimes it's just, it just feels so pushy. But the young people and some people just are so good about making it, making their art a almost just a movie, an exciting you know thing to watch and people connect with that. So Instagram has been a great, great asset, a great tool, um, just another avenue besides galleries. Because gal galleries have been the traditional way to go, but I think people people buy online stuff now and especially um, when you have really good imagery. My stuff, you can't really tell that it's it's dimensional, so it's a little harder on, on camera, but a lot of people's paintings just are beautiful, so it works well. Yeah, your, your work is beautiful. I just briefly, before we talk, had a moment to, to look at your, I think it was your Facebook that I found, and one of the pieces that I just loved and actually gravitated towards was a painting and then was a, um, skirt of some kind that was more multimedia and it was something that you said your mother's junk drawer or something like that was the one that I gravitated towards oh yeah and the collector that was, that was those so were cool. all things I found in my mom's junk drawer <laughs> can you describe that for me do you remember that well that was that was such a cool thing to me it was but it was multimedia right there was paint involved and then other things yeah there's a painting of a sort of a torso of a woman and her skirt is my mom's doily she had um I guess, is it crocheted the doily? I can't remember how those are made, but she made these doilies all the time, which what do you do with a doily? I don't know, but I use them in my art a lot because I like that feminine um, 
the, the role the women played. Um, and so doilies kind of lend to that. So I used that as the skirt. And then within the skirt, I um, sewed tiny little treasures that I found in her um, junk drawer <laughs> right after she passed when I was clearing out the house, right? When all those things, you find all those memories and little things. So I put those all throughout the doily skirt. And then she has a lot of clay and other things on her too, as well. Well, that is a very touching story. I didn't even know that had that kind of impact. I didn't realize that she'd pass. And that's, that's amazing. Um, and I think art can be so therapeutic in so many different ways. Um, can you talk about that kind of how the emotions you're going through at the time impact your art or your feeling or your, and then I'm sure the business guide crosses into that too, but how, I guess, what's the, how does your emotions and your kind of feeling at that time, mental health, all that stuff impact your art? Yeah, I think that's related because what we're painting on the outside is whatever's inside, right? So I think, um, you know, I did a, a whole lot. This whole series came after my mom passed and um, it was like weeks of dark, kind of that darkness, you know, you just feel something's missing, you know, it's just too quiet. And I had this dream one night of this, it was just dark with this tiny little light, just like swimming in this darkness. And, um, and it was like struggling in this darkness. And I remember, um, I, I woke up really relieved after it, but this, this little light all of a sudden burst out into this beautiful colorful world with everything was blooming like all all the people were blooming from their heads and like chairs were blooming and beds were blooming like everything was in bloom <laughs> and that's how this whole series kind of then I guess it just started right after that and I started making women with these blooms out of their heads and then from there, it kind of just evolved into blooming birds and flowers and things like that. But I just remember being so relieved. I, I knew my mom was in a good place and I knew, you know, everything was fine. So that's, that's how it all kind of started. And then from there, I just, I turned very bright and colorful and, and things, yeah, just kept blooming. <laughs> Seems like you're in a good place. That's wonderful. Out of it's certainly out of COVID, which is so dark too during that time. Um, the other one that I saw that I noticed on there that that I really enjoyed was that combining with blooming was it was bees. The woman had bees for her skirt. There was a skirt with with bees on it that was so cool. And yeah, that was that was awesome. So I think that was that was great too. What have you not done that you still want to do in the art world or, or with specific kinds of arts? Are there things oh. that you can think of specifically? Yes, I want to do so much yet. So I'm really exploring the bees and I want to do huge walls of bees. Um, but I really, but my, my uh, focus, I want to figure out um, ways to just do huge installations, like cover an entire tree in a park with ceramic butterflies. Um, I want to really bring out the beauty of these things like bees are so beautiful and I think people have this like fear of them and I just want to just make them in a beautiful way so people can experience them and maybe research them more and figure out that they don't 
sting normally and they don't, you know, we really do need them. And, and butterflies the same way. We lose so many butterflies. If we can just be aware of maybe what we can do to, to keep some of those around, plant, plant various milkweed and different things, you know, just create awareness through large sculptural work. So that's what I'd love to do in my retirement years. <laughs> that, that is so cool. And I'm, I'm one of those people that doesn't appreciate bees enough, literally sustain life, right? There's no life without all this pollination and all this stuff that they're doing. And yet, yeah, we fear them more than, when was I got stung by bees twice in my life? Maybe when was the last time you've gotten stung by a bee there for, and they're putting all this good in the world and fascinating in general too. So that's cool. And I love big art installation. And I think that's something that I think people get thrown by public art when they think of their money being spent on art that they don't like, um, which I think Colorado's got a lot of beautiful pub public art um, and, and some that's not beautiful. But I think with, with so many things, the, the good certainly outweighs the, the bad with that. And seeing all this beautiful art and public art and really creative, like I think the internet's opened that up too, to seeing all this creative public art that's around in the world. Poland, where I'm at right now, has a lot of public art in different capacities. And it's beautiful um, and in a lot of different ways. I'm trying to, I can't think of a, a specific example, but they've got several um, that are just gorgeous around the town that I'm living at. And, and it seems like they, other countries often value it more than America. Your tree installation, that sounds really cool. Um, would that be like, I was gonna, my next question I was gonna ask you if there's kind of a dream project, would that be where you're at with it now doing something like that? Yeah, I, I would love to do that. I'll, and, and even if people hate, hate it. Okay. So, so it has brought up something for you that you hate about it. So it's created an emotion that you've stopped. You've given that emotion, you know, so it's done something. And then why, why do you hate it? What do you hate about it? And what, why does that bother you? And so even if you hate something, it's good to think about it and wonder why and, and explore that. So yeah, there's art that I don't like as well that, you know, you wonder how did it get there? <laughs> but, you know, you just appreciate that it created that emotion for you and, and kind of explore that. And don't like, that's something too, that I don't think we give enough credit with like visual art as we do with other arts, for example, music. I think with music, we can understand easily, oh, someone else loves this music and I don't love this music. Whereas art, it seems so judgmental in a way where I don't love this. I don't love modern art. This is stupid. No one should love it. Where other people do love, we don't give it that that same um, recognition. Then I, I I never thought about it until you talked about that too. Because I've got a lot of different yeah emotions that have come from different pieces of art and and the thought process of of it and that it provokes emotion probably is intentional in so many ways too. Where artists are pushing the boundaries and um and and moving the world forward in that capacity, which we don't give people enough credit for. Okay, where do I wanna, oh, I wanted to also talk to you about um, in, in all this time. So you're running this community, you're working on your own art and then you told me you're writing a book as well. Tell me about your book. Yeah, so um, during COVID, I realized like I had mentioned before, the just the fascination and the importance of creativity in the life of every single person. So I started researching that, um, kind of understanding where, where that comes from, you know, creativity, we didn't really have, have the thought about creativity that we have now until about like 50 or 60 years ago, because it started, you know, when people, 
not until like the Renaissance, really, when people started giving, um, giving creativity to the artist. It used to be like a divine thing from God. Plato used to say divine madness. You know, you were just a vessel from God working on this thing. And then the Renaissance, they started to give a little bit of credit to, you know, Michelangelo and, you know, kind of started thinking certain people have creativity, certain people don't. So then it kind of came to that. And then um, I think, was it Freud? Then he started in on, well, creativity is in some of us because, you know, we can see that, but then we start comparing it to Einstein and we compare creativity to these big ones. And so I was really fascinated, like how, how do we compare creativity to one another and why do we think we don't have it? So there's just been so many fascinating things. There's, there's four levels of creativity that I, I learned about. Um, it's called the 4C model. And there's, you know, just the little things like solving a problem at school. So even that is you're connecting with your creativity and you're, you know, you, you're using it. And then there's the little creativity where you're, oh, I like to paint or write a little bit in my free time. And as long as you don't compare yourself to these big da Vinci's, you know, you are using a healthy part of your um, creativity. And then there's the pro level, which that's, you know, like me where I'm working at it full time. And then the big level, which is like, you know, Einstein, da Vinci, those creative geniuses. Those are the history books. They make the history books. So if you, the reason I love this 4C model is that you can see that you, you fit on there somewhere and then you can build up your creativity from that. And so in my book, I, I go through those and then I find I, I put recipes for each one that you can follow to improve your creativity level as you go along. And so, um, yeah, so I just started diving into all these, all these things about creativity that I didn't realize, and then all the benefits of creating. And there's so much, um, so much health and wellness benefit with um, just lowering stress and finding that flow where you can really um, build self-esteem because you're creating something and feel good about yourself by doing this. It just, it, it helps everyone. And even um, boosts immune system. And it gives you a route to authenticity. Because if you don't know who you are, if you're creating a little bit, you're putting yourself on the page. And sometimes then you'll figure out who you are, what you want um, when you see it. So I don't know. I just, I could go on and on <laughs> about creativity and um you know, that whole shift in all of us that I, I hope, I think it will happen over time more and more, because I think even business are valuing um, creativity more now than they used to, you know, come up with new ideas, come up with um, ways to solve this. We've got planet issues, come up with ways we can fix this. And the creative part is what's going to really help all of that. So yeah. We need to be we need to be a 
heat giant bee installation to communicate yeah. that. So I'm with I'm with Tim. I've I've noticed with myself that as adults we completely shut down our creativity, like you talked about. Um, and I again, my kids are eight and six right now, and they are constantly creating and making art and building different things. And it doesn't need to be perfect. And just you know, they just are enjoying the whole process of it. And it's so interesting how when you become aware of other people and other people's thoughts how much that impacts you or you don't do things and i've seen some interesting things that took off i'm, I'm a huge bob ross fan i loved bob ross when i was a kid but i never did the actual paintings but the first time i did a canvas and cocktail somewhere that's what i painted one of those mountain scenes and i still have it and i love it and they look good and they're you're proud of them um <laughs> and it's so much fun i've seen you know professional like color adult color books even where people are coloring in where it's a different type of thing and just the the physical part of that um, for you being such a creative person and, and using these different artistic mediums was writing the book difficult using your words instead of the art was that a hard process for you or did you transition nicely to that um I love I love to write I've I've written but I haven't published like around six things um but it's usually what I love to write is usually more um oh it's it's artists in Victorian periods <laughs> you know and they're kind of um struggling to make their art in this time period and things like that. But it's more, you know, just historical fiction. It's made up. So I love that kind. This, this I've never really researched and written like that before, but I found it so fascinating that, um, you know, it was quick. It was really quick. I wrote it in just a couple of weeks. It's just going back and figuring out how to publish it is the, is the, uh, <laughs> hard part like marketing like everything else yeah the that is, is the, the fun part <laughs> that is so hard and it makes it I'm sure with with art too yeah you make this something beautiful and you wish you could just move on to your next thing we got to deal with the sales and the customer service and the fault and the relationships and all that gets it gets tough so it's it's quite a balance as we come to the end of our time here how can people find out more about you see your artwork what's the best way for people to to learn about you and reach you yeah, so I have Instagram. Um, do you want me to just say that? You Do you write it down? Yeah, so? I think so. Yeah, I think I could put it in there. But yeah, just say what your Instagram okay. would be. That'd be Instagram's great. Carol Fennell Art. And Facebook is Carol Fennell Art. And then um, my website is carolfennell.com. So you can find me anywhere. Perfect. Love and Fennell spelled F-E-N-N-E-L-L. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. I learned so much from you and it also makes me want to create more and enjoy art more and appreciate artists more. Yay. And I, one of my dream things would be to, I love connecting people. So I would love to, to you know, find the person who can help you make this installation happen. Cause that, yes. that sounds so cool to me. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure meeting you. You have a great day. Thank you.